Hello and welcome to The Last Wicket, a cricket podcast that is perfect for when you want to take a break from current events. I'm your host, Benny, and thank you for tuning in. So if you haven't heard, and I promise this will be the last time you mention this, we have been nominated for the Sports Podcast Awards in the Best Cricket Podcast category. So if you enjoy this podcast, we do have just one more week left for voting. So please visit sportspodcastawards.com, register and vote for us. Now, this week, we were joined by a very special guest, uh, former India captain and current Karnataka coach, Mamata Maven. Uh, Maven has also coached China and Bangladesh at various points, and she spoke with us about her career, uh, her thoughts on leadership in the women's team, and India's prospects in the upcoming World Cup. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, but I am joined by my co-host, Mayank. So Mayank... What's been going on with you? Uh, what's on your mind these days? Uh, I'm just really enjoying uh, seeing the Indian team try different things. Um, we've saw the test squad announcement and we talked about, you know, Saha and everything that happened there. But the other piece that's worth discussing is Ishan Sharma, Ajin Kerahani and Chateshwar Pujara got dropped. And I think right. I think we can say fairly comfortably that two of them had a pretty long rope and it was a reasonable decision. But um, the fact that Ishan Sharma got dropped is, you know, a really, I, I know it's really harsh on Ishan Sharma himself because he's really only had a couple of bad games. But it's a really positive sign for Indian cricket that they're willing to try these things, take a few chances. And it also shows the depth that we have, that we are able to take these, you know, take these risks. Um, but right. Even other than that, I think what's been really refreshing is we've tried a number of um, young talents, whether it's in the series against West Indies or, or Sri Lanka. We had Ravi Bishnoi um, come in, who's a very exciting prospect, and he did exceptionally well against, you know, some fantastic spin hitters. Um, and they're also trying different roles for different players. So Jadeja in, in the recent T20s has batted at, uh, you know, five. And uh, that's, I, I think it's really positive to, try that because in my mind with his defensive style of t20 bowling um if he's batting at seven he's not adding as much value um to the t20 team because he doesn't bowl in the power play as well so um trying to figure out if he's he can fit some somewhere else if he can solve some other problem is a fantastic thing and it may or may not work out but i think it's definitely worth trying with the world cup you know only a few months away yeah as far as the test squad is concerned i don't really have uh, any issues with the major omissions? Uh, Ishant Sharma, honestly, I think it's more of uh, an issue where we have a lot of depth in fast bowling and there are good fast bowlers that it's not like a few years ago when we needed someone like Ishant and now you have Siraj, you have Thakur, who I think is still evolving, but he can still you know do a decent job and be a support for Boomra and Shami and 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 there are so many more bowlers in, in that vein. So I think it's harsh on Ishant and I think you can uh, label him unlucky again, but in a different <laughs> context. <laughs> um, and same goes for Saha. I know last time we talked about the whole controversy with the journalists and stuff, but uh, and I know he's disappointed. But again, with Rishabh Pant pretty much establishing his credentials, it it doesn't make sense to have Saha as a backup keeper too, 
uh, punt, then it makes sense to have someone like a KS Bar uh, instead. So again, harsh on Saha, but again, a right call. Uh, but the one that gives me the most satisfaction uh, is definitely um, Rahane uh, dropping him. Um, Pujara as well, but uh, it, it's hard. You know, it, both of them, Chiteshwar Pujara and Ajinka Rahane, have been great for Indian cricket over the years. And, you know, we are a sentimental bunch. You know, we want everything to be tied off perfectly and everyone rides off into the sunset. Uh, but in the harsh world of professional sport, you have to take the harsh uh, decisions. And that's one reason why Greg Chappell didn't do too well with Indian cricket during his brief tenure as coach. Uh, and it's very ironic that now Gangli is BCCI president when all these calls are being made. Um, but I think it's the right one. Ajinka Rahane, I mentioned last time how he gets into uh, this defensive mode, especially when tackling questions about his form. Um, but I think the right thing for him is to go back to domestic cricket and score runs. And it looks like he started off well. It looks like he scored a ton uh, uh, in domestic cricket. Same thing with Pujara. I think they will do well just to take a break from the grind and the expectations and the pressure when they're with the national team. And then give chances to guys like Shreyas Iyer, who really grabbed his chance, you know, during uh, the series against New Zealand. Uh, and there's like, again, like the fast bowling department, there are so many talented players uh, who can do well for India and they've shown it in their brief chances. So it's the right way to go. And it, it really seems like the the duo of Rohit Sharma and Rahul Dravid, they have thought this through. They have some plans in mind and I'm on board. I'm very curious and uh, intrigued to see how it comes along. It may not always work out, um, but this is the right time to go for those calls. Absolutely. And and I think to your point, I feel like Great Chapel, which I feel like is a perfect topic for another full podcast, but <laughs> I, I feel like Great Chapel was ahead of his time. So um, yes. I think we're we're ready for those changes and those professionalism uh, professionalism and you know just competition now. Yeah, I agree. Well, so for me, I have been uh, thinking about the IPL because uh, I, I, I'm not going to make any uh, excuses. I love the IPL. Um, and I'm glad it's coming back soon. Uh, but this year it's going to be a little different. Um, and I'm sure everybody knows that there are two new teams. Um, the creatively titled uh, Lucknow Super Giants and uh, the Gujarat Titans. That's actually not too bad, actually. I like it, though their logo seems very generic. Uh, but I am excited. Um, Ten teams. I'm not convinced about the player pool, you know, after all the auctions were done and dusted. Um so I don't know. We'll see if the increase in teams and the number of games exposes, you know, lack of quality or lack of depth. I know this is a, a very common thing that they throw whenever we talk about women's cricket and women's IPL. They talk about lack of depth. Well, this will be a good indicator in men's cricket and in Indian cricket, uh, in, in Indian cricket. But uh, I am. Uh, what's on my mind specifically to the IPL is the new format. Uh, so for those who are not familiar, this IPL will have two groups and uh, Group A will be led by five-time champions Mumbai Indians and Group B will be led by four-time champions uh, Chennai Super Kings. So 10 of the 14 matches will be home and away games against the other four teams in the group and then two matches against a team from uh, the corresponding row or seedings. So for example, Mumbai will play the other four teams in Group A 
and then they will play their corresponding top seed, which will be the Chennai Super Kings from the other group. They'll play them two times, and then they will play the remaining teams in the other group once each. So for a total of 14 games, and it it, it does sound confusing at first, uh, but they did something similar a few years ago, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad format. It It'll take some getting used to, but um, I think with the number of teams and uh, the number of players and just the number of games, I think it's a, it's a good way to go. And I'm actually excited about this format. It'll be it'll be exciting. Um, what are your thoughts on the format? Um, yeah, I mean, I I almost wondered if it made sense to have you know them just play each other, but uh, like just play teams within their groups. But I think that would substantially shorten the tournament, and I don't think BCCI is looking to do that. Um, I think my issue with the IPL or in general with 220 is like games seem to mix with each other when there's so many games back to back, and right. I am afraid that's definitely going to happen this IPL with uh, it running for what is it two months and four days or something like that. So it's a very yes. very very long format in in my mind and. Again, I, I'm I, the T20 format in general and IPL is not something I follow with the same level of detail as I do all the international games. So for from my perspective, it just feels super long and it just gives me some time in between to disconnect with cricket, uh, which you know may not be a bad thing, but uh, but yeah, it just it just feels really long. I think I'm still I, I'll take a little bit of getting used to. Yeah, the tournament is going to run from March 26th through May 29th. So that's two months of IPL action. Now for hardcore IPL fans, I don't think anybody will complain. Uh, but for someone like me, who's probably like uh, a few steps below that, um, and I've seen this in the past too, where for the first three weeks, I'm like all in. And then there's that phase for probably about two or three weeks where I kind of switch off. I check the scores from time to time and then only follow CSK games. Um and then only towards the final stages when, you know, they're trying to finalize the last few spots. That's when I really tune in. And this is not going to help that. I think it's going to happen again. Uh, that's why I feel like just the two-group format and the seedings, it may make a difference. Um, but it also does raise an important point about the length of the format, uh, because I know this has been an issue in the Big Bash League where a very common criticism is that it goes on too long. And then in comparison with the PSL, it seems like one of the more condensed short short leagues where everything just happens very quick and most people seem to be very happy with the length of the tournament. But you're right. I don't know if stakeholders, given the amount of money the IPL generates, would be happy with a short format. My only worry is for players with regard to the bubbles and um, the fatigue that's going to generate how that is going to be sustainable and if we are going to see players who just opt to take a break somehow during the tournament. So that is to be seen. Uh, but overall, I think this would be an interesting uh, format just with the, the breakdown of the groups and the teams. And I'm really curious to see how it all pans out in the coming months. Yeah, I think I think the one aspect is with longer IPLs um, and COVID and the bubbles and all of that, it's probably going to push international cricket towards specialized teams even more. I know we saw that a little bit last summer when India was in England and then they had another team under Shikhar Dhawan going to Sri Lanka. 
I think over yeah. the coming years, that's going to become more and more as these leagues become really profitable and, you know, everyone from Pakistan to India to Australia to England want to have, you know, these le- leagues and have their players part of it. Well, we are going to get into a conversation with Mamta Mabin right after this brief message. Hey, y'all, this is Benny, the host of the Last Week at Podcast. Before we really get into this week's episode, I just wanted to say that it's been great fun for me and my co-host Mayank to use this podcast as a medium to chat with an incredible area of guests from all over the world on a variety of topics in the cricketing universe. For a couple of amateur podcasters, this is all possible due to Spotify for podcasters. And if you want to get in on this as well, here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. As added features, video podcasts are also now available on Spotify. And when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. So if you have an idea for a podcast, give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. So, ma'am, I, I want to kind of start this conversation by diving straight into your playing career. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating. Off, off uh, Before we started this recording, you mentioned about how you just started playing the game. You know, you were playing the game in the streets. You were not even aware that this was something that you could do as a career, you know. And but now looking back. You, uh, you know, you've had a good playing career. You were initially picked uh, for the 1993 World Cup and you got a chance to play some one-day internationals. Um, but then you had to wait for another eight years to get a consistent run. Uh, and during this time, uh, you also achieved the sixth best uh, ODI bowling figures in women's cricket history with six for 10 against Sri Lanka. So I'm just curious, how do you feel about your career? And looking back now, uh, what is the level of satisfaction that you have about your playing career? Uh, the most satisfaction is I have is that I never gave up in spite of those eight years when I was in the wilderness. I kind of fought back and came. But I would, uh, looking back now, I think I, I would have done things a little differently. Though financially things were very tough then, infrastructure-wise things were very tough. We we never had any kind of box nets those times, you know. We had to mm-hmm. go ourselves, kind of sweep the the pitch, roll the mat. We would have the net for, say, two hours, maximum two and a half hours. And most of the activity will be net activity, right? So if you want to get some right. stroke practice in, we had to literally request them, you know, keep the net for a few. So it was limited in that extent. You know, the uh, we didn't have proper infrastructure however i must okay. say i was very amateurish the first uh, I, I kind of played for the state in 87 february and uh, the first international tour was somewhere in 91 i think 
where uh, we toured Australia. So in that period of a good four, five years, I w- we would play domestic cricket, you know, and then just come back for the season. So I, I never developed a professional mindset, you know. I would just go play, come. Because for five years, yeah, five years after you started, you, you, there's no that drive or push. And then I think that 91, I was in the India camp, but I didn't get picked. That is when those seeds were sown, like, okay, I also would like to kind of, you know, play. So then I work, started working a little more extra. By then, things had improved a little bit. Early 90s, things were a little better, you know. Uh, I think we went and joined a men's mm-hmm. club, you know, because we realized to uh, at least to make that cut, we needed to play alongside boys or at least the under 17 levels, you know, under 16, under 17. So there was, um, I, you must be affair, aware of Irfan Seth, right? Uh, he runs Kanadaga Institute of Cricket. Those days there was no uh, academy, but he used to run a club called Swastik. Earlier I used to play okay. for Falcon Sports Club, uh, which was a women's oriented sports club. Like, like from 86, I started my cricket sometime in 86, late 86, early 87. And we had a club called Falcon Sports Club. Uh, which was far off from my place. But after college, we would go there in the evening, kind of play our cricket. And a bulk of them were uh, state cricketers, you know, practicing in that club. But but somewhere we realized uh, to make that grade, you know, the final cut, you needed to play with uh, the boys because the boys are, uh, you know, they push you right all the time. (laughs) They're competitive. So I then went and later joined a men's club. Yeah, one or two clubs earlier, I joined like... uh, 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 young cricketers where Kumble then had yet to <coughs> play for the okay. country. I think he was just making his <coughs> debut for the state around 1991. So, you know, I was there for a brief period. Eventually, I came to Swastik Union. And there, I think, sir, put me, you know, I used to tell him sometimes, sir, that boy is quick. He'll say, no, no, you get hit one or two times, you'll be fine after that. <laughs> so he kind of encouraged us to, uh, you know, play alongside the boys and upgrade our game eventually i made the debut in 93 right uh, but i didn't have a good outing and promptly i got dropped i had a very decent very uh, i won't say very poor but very uh, not not what is required at the international level and after that for one reason or the other i i, I didn't come i couldn't make a comeback there were many things that went you know personal and so many other things were there but every time I told myself that, no, you need to get better. If what you're doing is not good enough, you need to get better. So eventually, eventually, I think in 2001, if my memory serves me right, I think I made a comeback. Because that season was right. pretty heavy for me. The domestic season was, uh, yeah. So it required a really heavy season for me to make a comeback. Earlier, it is, earlier I used to play for uh, institutions like Air India. You know, where uh, it was a very heavy side. In the earlier uh, phase, you would not get any exposure because our side is pretty strong and, you know, we'll bundle them out easily or even if you get batting, it's after 45, 43 overs like that. So once I quit that and came back to my state, which is Karnataka, there most of the, uh, what do you say, the responsibility was on my shoulder, which means every match I would get all the exposure. And that propelled, that kind of helped me, you know, that season, yeah. the very season I came back to Karnataka, I think that following season I played for the country because I got the opportunity to 
kind of go out there every match. So the scores kept coming. Earlier for six years, I think 94 to 2000, I was with Air India, which was packed with like Anjum Chopra, Anjum Jain, Pramila Bhatt, Purnima Rao, Smith, all India players, you know. They were all there. So the earlier games, we never got an opportunity. That could be one of the reasons why it probably took that long. Because a couple of 50s is not good enough, right, for a comeback. Because mm-hmm. we will get only towards semi-finals and finals. So, a couple of 50s here and there never helped the cause. So, hence, I think that uh, when I went back to Karnataka, later got picked to, for South Zone, that Interzonals was a very heavy tournament. I think I would have got five uh, fifties plus scores in six games. So, that, that kind of helped my cause. And I used to bowl a bit also. So... Mm-hmm. South Zone and all, I used to open the uh, bowling. So, I think it helped my cause in uh, uh, to, when I eventually came back. And uh, see, you know how the, not, not everything is clear-cut, right, or cut and dry. Uh, it, my cause was helped further when uh, Shantaranga Swami was the chairman selector also. Though mm-hmm. I had heavy scores, a presence of somebody of that stature from my own state, I think kind of help my cause. Though she will not accept it, she said you, it was your <laughs> you know, weight of sheer uh, uh, weight of your performance. I'll say no. If, if people want to keep you out, they can keep you out, right? Yeah. So that kind of helped the cause. So that's how it, I, I came back and I had a brief, I think, two years stint, two to three years stint. Again, I went out of form and promptly I got dropped. So mine is a very checkered cricket career. Nevertheless, if at all there is any satisfaction out of it it was that i never gave up because in that phase of eight years there were many people telling me what you're doing why you're wasting your time because our days we played from our pockets to play we had no money right even playing for the country we never made a penny right so everybody used to be like uh, and i was working those days i used to be a journalist myself for a brief period when i made a comeback i was a journalist myself so eight hours of work and then the remaining time I used to take for my fitness and practice and things like that. People say, why are you working so hard? You think you're going to play for the country again at this age? Hmm. I said, see, I just just love this game. So I'm going to play it as long as I can play. And it so happened that eventually I made my comeback. So that is the satisfaction I have. If at all there's a regret, I could have been more professional. Like, you know, the I could have I, I played the fool a lot like I could have probably uh, though things were very difficult infrastructure wise yeah I think I should have played more attention uh, like a single minded focus and pursue I think I was an amateur at best a professional towards the end you know a little bit here and there but things have changed a lot since then right I mean um, you know when I think back to yeah, the nineties. Yeah. Just men's cricket. Let's take men's cricket. The infrastructure, the resources, the support in terms of player development or looking after injured players, that is nowhere compared to what it what it is right now. So I can only imagine what it must have been for women cricketers. You don't have mm-hmm. that much support. You don't have that much resources. Yeah, so uh, yeah. for a lot of the stories and the accounts I hear it, yeah. of the women cricketers back then, a lot of it was like either you motivate yourself or it's due to the support of people around you. You know, you need someone in your corner encouraging you and motivating you. So in your case, would you say you motivated yourself because of your passion to continue playing and 
play for India? Or was it more of, you know, because of family or anything else that kind of drove you to just push, you know? No, I think you were right. Uh, you were, you know, you, for me, it was more of self-motivation. I think in that phase, I tried to quit this game a couple of times because mm-hmm. financial constraints were there. I had a family who depended on me and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. You were right that it was the passion. It was the motivation. I just didn't find peace anywhere else. You know, even the, the couple of times I tried to quit, maximum I stayed home at for 10 days and I couldn't, you know. And then I realized where my peace was. I said, whether I'm making money or not, when I'm playing the game, I'm most peaceful. Right. You know, I would sleep nicely. If I, <laughs> no matter what I did, when I'm not playing, no matter what I did, no matter how much money I earned, there was not that deep down satisfaction, no? Right. So uh, that is very early. I think in 94, once I, 94, 95, I tried to quit the game, you know, after I got mm-hmm. dropped, I had a couple of rough seasons. I thought, okay, this is it. But very early, I realized where my peace was and I said no matter what I want to be where my heart is at peace you know that gave me the greatest satisfaction so I would say it was self-driven mostly I told myself I can even later on when I made a comeback I actually my company where I was working initially they would give me a little uh, time off and those days used to have one series in a year later on it got two sometimes three that time they kind of put their foot down and said, no, you, 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 we won't be, I told them you give me loss of pay. They said, no, I said, see, I can always work later, but playing, I cannot right. do it. You know, there's a limited time span, right? Especially. So then I, I kind of quit the game. So when I made a comeback or later on during when I was playing for the country, there was a phase where I was not employed, but I chose to, I think that time I was leading the country in fact. If I had not quit the game, I probably would not have led the country. Right. So I would have, I was forced to make a choice between earning or playing. Right. And I took I took the later option of playing. Money was a little tight somehow, you know, uh, made some arrangements here and there so that I could stay afloat. Because I had a family to look after. My father retired at the time I started playing the game, you know. Mm-hmm. I, like my father retired in 89, about the time I started playing the game. So there was no financial support also was not as forthcoming. It was tough. It was tough. But the passion was what drove us. Like I told you, purely it's like I I said, that was where my peace was. So I chose to kind of stay with the game. Right. And like you said, worked out well. You ended up leading India. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 And now, uh, post the Uh merger... The very people who used to tell me you're a fool, you say you did the right thing and not quitting. Yeah. Hindsight is always you easy. Know, when the merger <laughs> happened, people who were in the system kind of got absorbed, yeah. right? And later, post uh, our cricket career, we have a good, if I won't say brilliant, but uh, uh, we are well taken care right. of, even in other, uh, uh, what you say, uh, uh, like like a coach or a commentator or a or a referee. There are many, you know, there is scope for us to kind of, you know, cricket-related uh, job. We can still continue. And thanks to BCCI, who, you know, has made this possible. Had it been in the older board, after cricket, we would have to forget, you know, being associated with the game. Right. Now we can afford to get associated because they, they do play players reasonably well. 
Yeah, I, I, we've read about you know the merger of WCAI and and BCCI and how that has you know both impacts, good and bad, and and obviously from a financial perspective, it seems to have had a positive impact. Um, but but speaking of your captaincy career, one of the things that I read which was really fascinating was. Prior to your first series as captain in 2003, uh, which was against New Zealand at home. And uh, New Zealand, by the way, had been uh, world champions just a couple of years back. Um, you told the team that we were going to win 5 0, and India did end up winning 4 1. Um, and then you also had a couple of consecutive wins after that. Uh, so, talk us through how you felt, you know, confident about that team and. Uh, how you communicated to them as well as, you know, did you find captaincy a very challenging task, especially considering, you know, what you just told us, the fact that there were financial constraints and other things on your mind all the time? Uh, truth be told, uh, we had a good side, okay, though, albeit uh, a budding one, you know, it was a good side. However, uh, uh, one of the selectors who had just picked that squad and told me, because everybody was aware that New Zealand was a heavy side. They were the world champion side. And our history against New Zealand is not as, uh, you know, we have won matches against them, but they have had the better of us most of the time. So uh, she walked up to me and said, see, uh, we don't expect you to kind of, you know, win. Nobody will kind of thing, but we have to give a good fight here. You know, it has to be a thing and we could. So that was the first thing into my ear. But I, I realized we we cannot go with that kind of a mindset that, you know, no matter what, on paper they were strong, but we would have to consider, look at our strength, right? So that is the first thing I wanted to communicate across to the team. So when I held a meeting, which was a meeting where only the players were there, this was, of course, the uh, uh, coach was aware that you know we would have a one such meeting because in the presence of the support staff right not everybody opens out so you know I spoke to the coach and said we would like to have a team talk she was more than willing she was happy she said yeah go ahead so in that kind of thing i first asked what do you think would be the score line and uh, they happened to say new zealand will win 5-0 and then i kind of asked them don't you think we can win even one like you know and then somebody said yeah maybe we can win one <clears throat> i think it was neetu who finally finished off saying maybe we'll win two but new zealand will win three two that is when i kind of said no we're going to win this five zero the thought process there is we cannot start off thinking we're going we may lose right. even if yeah. i have said five zero we could have lost the series but at least the the thought process is there so half the battle is won, right? Yeah. When you kind of look at it from that perspective. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, yeah, we're going to win at 5-0. Eventually, actually, we, when we lost the fa- last game, last ball four runs were required. And uh, it so happened that the, the, the student or the player at long off could have taken it just one pitch and it would have, you know, she kind of went for the catch and it went for a boundary. Hmm. <laughs> had a little bit of presence of mind being there because four runs to win right if the catch didn't matter all we had to do is protect the boundary yeah. so it could have, it came very close to being 5-0 so it was just thought process there because i was somebody who or i am somebody who would always like to look at what is the solution rather than you know focus on anything else so that's how it kind of 
started and god's grace you know everything went to plan and the girls really played well anju manju jain jaya sharma mitali was the link you know and neetu david julan we had a really good bunch of uh, cricketers nusheen al kadir you know yeah oh they played brilliantly every time i needed a wicket no something was tight i'll just throw the ball to nusheen i said nusheen i don't know what you doing you have to give me a wicket now and she would promptly <laughs> give so we had a really good bunch and uh, we must give credit even to the then uh, wci led by shubhangi kulkarni they gave us a lot of camps you know focused on fitness uh, made sure we we kind of thought about a diet diet restrictions were there we had a good physio trainer which was something for us uh, you know it was it was a luxury those days right we never had it earlier earlier we'll just have one coach one manager that's all there's not there is no physio there is no trainer there is no anything else so that was the first time the i think they realized the administration realized we need to work on a fitness so fitness and diet are kind of linked right earlier we would be eating just about anything so <laughs> earlier to that they would they had we used to have camps where you know they really focused on the fitness aspect of the game the coach and the administration they focused on the fitness aspect of the game and by the, that time sudha shah was the coach so i think lot of credit to them also that they kind of supported us in everything that we wanted to do and eventually those two three years was really good for women's cricket you know that phase was really good where everything was running smoothly so is it fair to say that you enjoyed captaincy that you didn't really look at it as a burden because i know cricket in india everyone has their thoughts and opinions on how you know the cricket should be run and how the players should play even back in the early 2000s even in women's cricket you know everyone has their thoughts uh but did you ever feel that pressure or that expectation or did you just you know embrace the challenge uh truth be said truth be said actually uh, captaincy came naturally to me but truth be said at that point when i was given the captaincy i, I was not looking forward to mm. it because i myself was making a comeback because after that comeback again i got dropped you know in between a poor thing when we i hadn't traveled with the team to new zealand so um personally i would have liked to come back kind of you know establish myself before taking but then captaincy is a forte you know for me it, it came naturally at the zonal levels at the state levels i would kind of lead so probably uh, they gave me that and it i never found captaincy as a burden i enjoyed it but the only thing with ca- captaincy is a thankless job i'll tell you why because you could play really well okay but if your team loses you're still yeah. you know you're still in the firing line the team could play really well and we are winning matches but if you are right form yeah. is dip you are still in the firing line so you know i think uh, to have a holistic view captaincy mm. itself should be considered a skill you know where uh, sheer dint of your captaincy you could leverage a few situations you know you could kind of get it to your side so uh, but that's not the case here you have to really uh you know be in uh, the thick of things to be a captain and uh, vice versa like you know you can't just be scoring or uh, doing good and your team is not winning that also doesn't work it, that's why captaincy is one of the thankless jobs you know it's very uh, it, only the i think the 
people who can for whom captaincy comes naturally it is easy to kind of handle that post if it doesn't come naturally it becomes a burden at one point in time because it's a thankless job right first you'd like to be in the team and for that you need to focus on your game but when you're a captain you need to focus on yeah. 15 players right so it's an added it's an added uh, what you say responsibility very few people can well, ride it well so let me ask you this because it, you know that's a perfect way to kind of segue into the next question that we had for you um you know we had um the author of this fantastic book the fire burns blue uh karunya she, she came on our episode last year um and it's a great book and in this book it mentions that you played an important role in grooming mitali raj as captain even though she wasn't natural at it do you agree with that assessment of her leadership back then i i i think that only mitali can answer whether i did play a part but i would i felt at that time uh the administration felt mitali was a little raw to take over captaincy because i really she was the right candidate given the uh, you know the form and the quality of mm. player she was you know she was an ideal candidate in that perspective but probably they felt that uh, you know a couple of more years she need to be groomed or whatever uh, whether i did impact her captaincy is something i think uh, she will be able to tell but somewhere i have also read that she has told somewhere a couple of things she learned from me but i cannot uh, you know uh, what do you say vouch for it because <laughs> this is something that she would have to you know i don't know whether i impacted her or not so but, well, let said, me ask you then yeah. are there any incidents or anecdotes that you can say was a good example for you it showed you that you know she is going to be a good leader that this shows that she has uh, truth be told i felt um, she has now evolved into a really good leader now when i see her make some moves and all that i know she she's understood the game i don't think that i would have been able to say this in a earlier in her career i've you know kind of watched her lead okay. and things there were a few few things she could have done better but now she's a, a master at it of course it's a, there there are times when she may slip up but mostly she understands the game well she reads the game well which probably didn't happen in the first 5 years of her uh, or first 2 3 years there would be a few things that would go here and there so i wouldn't say she was a natural but mitali being mitali she's adapted and evolved very well and uh, i think right now she is our best bet as a captain in the playing level you've also served as coach so as someone who can kind of step back and take a look at all the players in the team um do you would you identify players as a coach to say okay this person is a leader you know their leadership material they don't have to be a captain to be a leader uh but they can mentor or they can lead other players do you see as a, as a coach have there been times where you look at some players who are probably not very established but you can say that they've got what it takes to lead other cricketers yeah yeah definitely i mean in the first glimpse or two you you kind of get a feeling who is ideal you know and who is thing so uh, there are a few players like that who you know that can be a good leader and uh, we we've, we've been identifying those things and right now like veda is leading for us and there have been fa- phases when um, i've been aware that this person is not a natural to uh captaincy but then have been saddled with them 
I've taken that also in a stride because I feel it's uh, as a coach, it's our job to kind of teach them, right? Uh, there have yeah. been times like when I was in Bangladesh, uh, Salma Khatun, she was good, but she was she she was just a stereotype kind of captaincy. But uh, to give credit to her, she evolved. In one or two years, she picked up the skill very well because it was kind of taught to her, right? Or yeah. how to go about things. I normally use trial and error. I never use remote control because wherever possible uh, to allow the captain to make a mistake, mistake within the bounds of reason, like the game is in our grasp and she's making a couple of mistakes, I let it be. Because that's the only way they're going to learn. If I kind of keep sending messages all the time, it's we may win the match, but she is not going to grow. So wherever right. it is really possible, which is most of the time, 80% of the time, it is possible for them to make a few errors here and there without it affecting the outcome. So I do let them take. And then I see some are able to kind of grow out of it, really grasp it, and some not. Then you know who is there and who is not there. Right. Some are natural. Like Veda is a natural. Divya is another natural. If Veda or Divya is uh, captaining, half my job is done i have to only <laughs> work at the back end most of the time you know i don't have to be at the forefront if it's somebody like a Veda or a divya but there are other captains who who it doesn't come naturally to them then my my kind of burden not burden my job kind of increases a little bit i need to be a little more active in the forefront also but if you right. really get a leader and somebody who knows the job and knows what they're doing most of a job is only at the back end you know working things uh, mostly off season right. and think, putting things in place, working in tandem with the captain, working out, uh, you know, what, but so, so that is where ideally you, this game cricket, no captain is the boss. That is the truth. Right. Yeah. Because the game is such the nature of the game is such you need people at the center to be able to think on their feet. You cannot remote control. Right. So right. captaincy becomes very important in this sport. We have, I, at least I being a captain myself, have understood this, that coach is mostly somebody who works at the back back end of the game, you know, give all that technical support or whatever wisdom, but has to be in sync with the captain. Then everything, the synergy will be good. So fortunately for us, we've had a couple of good captains. We've played with Rakshita. Rakshita was somebody who was more a reactive captain uh, to start off with. But now she has credit to her. She also has learned the tricks of the trade, you know, so to say. And she herself is an efficient captain, but it didn't come naturally to her. The mm -hmm. question was uh, whether we were able to identify what, what comes naturally. Yeah, we can. We can identify for somebody who it is it comes naturally and somebody who kind of grows on them and they kind of learn and pick it up. So there are two categories, basically. I, I guess I'm also curious. Um, you've seen cricket in you know the late '90s, where, as you said, you know there was only a coach and a manager. Uh, I'm sure the role of the captain back then was vastly different because um, if you know it was a batting batsman who was a captain, then the batter would probably provide technical support to young youngsters. Um, compared to now when there's specialized coaches for batting, specialized coaches for bowling, even wicket-keeping sometimes, you know, um, how has that evolved? Do you think captaincy today is more about people management um, as compared to, you know, 20 years back when it was a mix of people management as well as, you know, uh, honing technical skills? 
Yeah, like you were right. Earlier, uh, most of the technical uh, kind of uh, inputs, quite a bit used to come from either the captain or senior cricketers, you know. They would be really good senior cricketers, Sandhya Garwal. You could go up to them and ask them for batting tips and Shantaranga Swami. For me, it was Shant- though we had a coach traveling in our early days in the state cricket, Shanta used to be the one who used to guide us most of the time. And now things have changed. Now things have changed drastically. So I think in that sense, uh, it uh, lightens the captain's, uh, you know, fo- uh, range of focus. So they can focus more on what is, uh, like you said, man management and other things, right. which becomes very key. See, at an elite level, like let's say the Indian team, even for from a coaching perspective, you don't have to technically teach them so much. They may just be about 10-15% enhancement that can happen. But they're already made, right? In terms of technique and all that, they're already set and made. It is more strategical, you know, part of the game, tactical part of the game. And most importantly, man management. To get the bonding and the synergy going, have a good plan in place, you know, the very, what do you say, very challenging... Uh, very competent, competitive training atmospheres where they are challenged. These are the things uh, actually at the elite level, the coach needs to, uh, more of uh, uh, ability in, you know, to set up good programs, challenge the children, you know, the wards and man management. You know, these are right. the two things. Technically, yes, a little bit of work, but that also can be done only in the off season, right? You, there's nothing you can drastically touch in a season. If you if you're fortunate enough, you get a window of two months where there is no cricket happening. Then you can touch some things which you have spotted can get better. Otherwise, it is mostly tactical strategy, fitness training, these kind of things that are most required at the top level, and a good understanding, a good bonding. See, we've I've been with Karnataka for four five years now. I thought we had a best season this. Uh, this recently concluded I could see a lot of bonding synergy people knowing what their roles are you know these kind of things and Veda has played a great role in that kind of bringing the team together so these kind of dynamics are more important at that level because they are all mostly self-made you know when they come to that level their technical aspect is mostly set you don't have to build see I have worked even at an academy level for some time there it's a totally different story you know there it is mostly making the player uh, technically at an academy level the focus is more drilling on those aspects involved with you know but whereas in the state level maybe there is a little little work but at the india level there'll be very little work technically it is mostly fine-tuning getting them to be more accurate uh, teaching them to bowl with more control these kind of aspects, you know, will be coached, not the technical aspects. Right. How, yeah, how, and... how to enable them to use their skills better, how efficient they can right. get with their skills. Yeah, and, and getting them into the right mindset as well. Yeah, because I, all I... these things are more at the forefront and that is a, that's a challenge in itself because, you know, there are a lot of dynamics that come into play, especially if you're going to get a popular, if you're going, the more popular you get, the more dynamics are involved. Everybody wants sure, to be a part yeah. of it. And then there's a lot of interference from outside and all these things happen. You know, So these are more, you need more skill sets in terms of man management. Yeah, I, I think as you were saying that, I was thinking about um, one of the books I read last year was 
uh, Paddy Upton's uh, book about his coaching time with the Indian team, with the South African team. And that's what he really believed in, you know, being hands off for as much as possible and then jumping in where they needed and, and obviously keeping his door open whenever any player wanted a conversation where they need to get their head cleared. So that makes sense. Obviously, at the elite level, the player has been through a number of, you know, levels, a number of years of grind. So they're probably at a different stage than, as as you said, uh, compared to academy players. So This has been my experience. But for me, it was slightly different at the international level. Like when I went to China, I probably got club cricketers who had to prepare within three months for an international assignment. You know, that was tough. My Actually, my coaching, the initial period, now when I look back, I think I went through the right path because coaching aside, uh, some of them would be club level cricketers, okay? And for them to prepare them for a international level and that too in a T20 format, it took a lot um, of, you know, uh, effort, uh, what do you say? I, I, I stopped nets initially for a month. Because they had no stroke. They would just play cross bat, you know, and some good ball comes dumb, they'll get out. So I had to just suspend nets and at least teach them the basic skill sets which they can employ if there's a tough phase. You know, no matter how short the format, there will be times when you will have to tide over a phase, you know, without much damage. For that, you need the proper uh, skill sets, the, the formative ones, you know. So I kind of got that into them. Once I was confident they could kind of handle a moving ball or a good ball, they could probably put it for a single or something and survive that ball. That is after that I kind of kind of got them into the range hitting and playing the other shots. You know, otherwise in the absence of a shield, like when you go for any match, you only go with a sword. Yes, you will. Sometime you need right. a shield, right? They're <laughs> going to strike back at some time. And if you didn't have a shield to protect yourself then, well, there's no use of that sword, however sharp it is. You will not right, be there right. to wield that show, uh, sword. So I found that aspect over there. So for some time, I kind of suspended nets. Were then the basic footwork going for front foot strokes and back foot strokes, especially the vertical one. And then I added the layers to their game. Of course, I had a... By the time they had picked up so much. Whereas in Bangladesh, that was not the case. They had a lot of game sense. They picked up the game naturally. But they were still cricketers who need to be worked on technically, though at the international level. You know, there would be like four or five cricketers who were not fully there. And even the established ones had some uh, loopholes in their uh, technique, you know. So that was something different. But... I don't think that will be the case for any elite level test like like India or any other test. There it is more about all these factors, how you get a good coaching program going, which keeps them, you know, challenged and takes them to the next level. And man management to have good synergy, bonding, understanding, communication amongst ourselves. Because from time to time, you kind of hit the turf like where there's some misunderstanding, you know, and that kind of shows, plays up in the game. No matter how much you worked as a coach, if the personal equation between, let's say, your captain and vice captain is not at the best, somewhere it is going to have a dent, right? So these are the things that uh, at that level, you need these uh, skill sets to kind of handle these situations. So, uh, you know, we were, you were mentioning Veda Krishnamurti earlier, and I have to say, I, I know she's been in and out of the Indian team uh, in the last couple of years, but... Uh, from the little that I've seen of her when it, whenever she's played, she seems to have 
a lot of potential, which is not necessarily realized. But she, she she's so talented, is what I'm saying. Um, how much of that, and I, I know she's played in the Women's Big Bash too. Mm-hmm. So how important is having someone like her in your team? Uh, how helpful is that to other teammates to have someone who's playing, who's played at the international level, who's played at something like the Big Bash? Uh, does that help? the other cricketers like just to feed off her experience and knowledge in some way yeah most definitely as long as they open to it see initially when she came i think the level was too high for them you know and hmm. i had to tell her i said see if, if you're expecting them to play at your level they would all be playing for the country you know they are basically not yeah. playing for the country then because they are not at that level so i think she it took some time for her to settle in to our thing because you know then then later on i had told the players i and i told her basically not the players i told you come down a little bit don't bring your game down but in in, in terms of bringing them up you you kind of come down a little bit let them come up a little bit and then you can kind of take them to where you are as a team right, right? Uh, so that took some time but now i think uh, she's after 2 years of being with the team she, the teammates are actually feeding off her uh, expertise she's really giving them right. some uh, very very uh, what do you say uh, good game plans you know how to go about their game she has studied their games well and she's made them understand this is your game plan and this is how you can play and for somebody else this is how you play this is what comes to you and how we can use that for the team since this is how you play this is how the team would expect you to kind of play that role in the team so she's been a- able to identify the styles of play and then use right. those styles of play for the good of uh, karnataka you know for our team so she has br- brought in that expertise but it it took some time because in the first year it was too high for them you know to make that jump of what she's expecting right. of them be it the batsmen or the bowlers she would ex- expect certain things from the bowler but they were not able to deliver it and hence there would be a little bit of turbulence there you know because they are used to their set pattern and she would kind of draw them out of their comfort zone which they were not ready but in two years they have also understood her they have also seeing where she's coming from and she's been able to affect them in terms of when to bowl how to bowl what to bowl like you know if you are in a wicket taking spree in the initial phase how to bowl if you are in a phase where we need to defend a little bit how to bowl how to bowl at the death so they are now understanding these things how to bowl to a particular field it, that that particular ball may not necessarily be a stock ball but if it is bowled to the field it happens to be a good ball right. you know so this concept took them one or two years to understand but they're now all seeing what she has to say is for their benefit but it it doesn't sit well all the time because you know they have a particular <laughs> mold or a frame of mind right so initially it kind of upsets them but eventually people who have been open to her her suggestions people who have taken her suggestions uh, in the right way have benefited there are some who have not kind of there are a few who are still you know closed mindset but she still does her best to tell them if they don't take it she lets it be and she kind of communicates that to me saying you know i said okay let that be but the the best thing is the synergy between captain and the coach is pretty good like most of the time 80% of the time we are on board that 20% sometimes i let her have a say 
and if it happens fine uh, sometimes what she says makes sense to me i'll agree yeah what you're saying makes sense sometimes i just let it be and she'll understand that what i said made sense so eventually we come about so i think 90 95% we are on 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 board so which is helping that that raises a, a good point though because you know what you were mentioning earlier uh we're talking about match awareness right that's the difference between the really good players and everyone else is what do you do in this match situation when this kind of delivery is being bowled at you or if this kind of batter is playing the snark and a lot of it is it's only because of exposure like veda had that exposure playing against international level cricketers or even in the big bash she's she's been exposed to the situation and that's why she can pass on her wisdom and her expertise to uh you know other players in the team so in that regard and this has been a raging debate for <laughs> in recent times how can we push indian women cricket to the next level and you know everyone has been talking about the women's ipl but also former coach wb raman had mentioned that he would like to see a women's under 19 world cup so what what else can we do what other practical solutions are there uh to push the talented players who are probably not being seen or recognized right now how can we get them to the next level yeah one is the women's ipl i do agree you know that will take the game to the next level not even the next it will jump by two three levels because i have seen that with the little uh, exposure our girls are getting with the women's t20 challenge i can see how how it's got a ripple effect on the younger generation you know in two years a lot of talent that has mushroom basically because all want to one day play the ipl right you know there i can see yeah i can see uh, yeah. talent mushrooming in all the mofasal areas also so see once the reach gets wider definitely one of the byproducts of that is people are the game is going to grow on its own you know people are going to get interested right. i have already started seeing it so ipl would be the first criteria however ipl is only for the cream right i i kind mm-hmm. of feel at the at the domestic level we can do much more like not much i i for one want a three day format or a two day format to come back because um, see the wicket taking ability right comes only when you are you are forced to purchase 20 wickets otherwise now it's mostly the skill sets are mostly defensive of our, of our bowler skill sets are mostly mm-hmm. defensive so when a tight situation comes in an odi where we need to purchase one or two wickets we have to purchase we don't mind the runs but we need to purchase you know we are lacking in that ability because the system itself doesn't uh, groom us to uh, purchase wickets see if you are playing a two day format if you want outright points you have we have to take 20 wickets right so that 20 wickets means runs are not so important for us we are not looking to defend so much as much as attack we want the wickets otherwise no matter how many runs we are going to split points or get a first innings lead or something like that and settle for lesser points if you want more points in that format like outright victory you need 20 wickets and that pushes or forces the batsman to think in terms of bowling wicket taking balls which could go for runs but it could end up getting us wickets right now the mindset right. mostly is defend in the bargain of defending you will get your wickets but we can't afford to go for runs 
so most of the wickets coming now apart from the new ball are in the process of defending you choke them you build the pressure they try to do something and then you get the wickets right but if you have that is not there you have to purchase wicket you have to bowl kind of bowl wicket taking go so that skill set is something that has taken a beating i feel personally so if you have at one level you have your two day games though we are not playing so much test cricket eventually there's call for more test cricket also so if you imagine our, our girls are playing test cricket without having to play longer format yeah does that happen for the mm-hmm. men's team no no they're playing ranji trophy every year so their test skills are uh, sets are getting groomed there right we don't have that right. benefit right now if if uh, if somebody is uh, smriti or a shefali is still scoring 50 or 100 despite that uh, thing so at one level i feel that the days format has to go on from which eventually if test cricket gets more popular you could it would really help us and even in an odi format it it will develop um, wicket taking bowlers you know right. which will help us in see now we put up 270 okay how many times we put up 270 and we have not been able to defend it if we had somebody who would be able to you know snap up those crucial wickets we could defend right so this is one thing i feel i feel we have to reintroduce the longer format fortunately when when the under bcci for the first 3 years i played for 3 years i think under bcci before i eventually wound up we had uh, two day games and i don't know why out of the blue i think they said we are not playing test cricket what's the use of playing this format they removed the format but they kept it at the zonal level saying only the cream will go and play test cricket so let them face but the at the domestic level if you are not going to have the culture of the longer format you are not going to get some see you can always evolve from test to t20 but uh, evolving from t20 to the longer format is difficult like a kohli and all play all three formats right how they play they played the longer format and they know how to evolve themselves to the shorter formats then it's up to the player to choose no which format they want to excel in but at least give the basic uh, format has to be there this is something i've been advocating the last 4 5 years and i i can see it coming about this time because a lot of pressure now for more test cricket you know at the international hmm. level it is gaining a lot of eyeballs so then there's more uh, calls for more test cricket more test cricket means what you need more practice of longer format right so that is one thing i feel you know uh, these two things have to come about eventually if we can get schools cricket going which we don't have see boys have a lot of schools cricket right that shield this shield and all that happens for them at that level this is something at the state level i've been trying to advocate you know that we need schools cricket. there's not even college inter college it doesn't happen in our days at least uh, inter college it used to happen you know we don't have that also now intercollege it is not there there's no schools cricket if all this happens no in 5 years you see where women's cricket will go because recently when we had we had the senior selection we had about 250 players out of which 50 students were below 12 and i was amazed with about 10 15 students there so beautiful what judgment no they would they would put some of the seniors to shame with the kind of strokes they were playing at that age you know but we are not tapping it you give them one tournament right. at that age right groom them whatever the cricket they are playing at that age they are playing with the boys because they are in the academy right they played academy matches and they play with the boys team i had in fact on twitter i had one uh, one of them asked me 
Mamta in my school I have one girl who played in a boys tournament and got the player of the tournament why is there no women's tournament she had to play in the boys right. tournament to be the player of the series you know and i don't have answers to those things because i'm not the management person but i feel like we have come a long way right mm-hmm. like i remember in the early 2000s when i first realized that there is something called women's cricket mm-hmm. and that women play international mm-hmm. cricket too uh the only indian cricketer that i had heard of at that point uh, the only indian women's cricketer that i had heard of at that point was mitali raj uh and then later julan goswami yeah. but now we now we boast of you know the shafali varmas the smriti mandanas yeah. the jamima rodriguez all these are household names well in you know households that follow cricket uh they are on par uh, as far as recognition is concerned they're on par with indian cricketers now so we we have come a long way in that regard which is good to see but there's always room for improvement like you know the yeah. points that you mentioned so in that regard you know there's the women's world cup which is uh starting very very soon um now india has made the indian team has made a lot of strides in recent yeah, years yeah. you know due to the players that we mentioned uh but you know just based on the last two series the one day series that they had in australia and new zealand um how do you rate india's chances i know that julian goswami uh you know she was among the wickets in new zealand but outside of that there didn't seem to be, at least from my perspective as i wouldn't say i'm an expert observer but from my perspective it just seemed like they were losing the critical moments they were in control for many parts and then they would lose control so what 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 do you make of this indian team actually though we've kind of lost the series uh i'm not uh, overly concerned because like you rightly said there were many phases where we were in control and i think it's probably the fielding which has let us down or a little bit of loose bowling that has let us down i can i probably right. see all this coming together by the time of the world cup even now if you see in the new zealand regularly we're putting 270 which kind of never happened before and without a smriti mandana and things like that okay which means the depth has increased right so that is the positive if at all we have an area of concern it could be the fielding first and then the bowling bowling also we've been on and off some matches julian is not there and things like that so if at all there's a concern there could be bowling but that bowling is looking a little bad because of the fielding right you know if you, you, every match some catches are going down now you you kind of take those catches and then they see in that context where we will be so i'm not overly uh, what to say concerned but I, i i there are a lot of positives from this new zealand series like megna can you imagine we have somebody of the quality of megna and we cannot fit her in the world cup squad means what is the depth there's somebody right. like jemima sitting right. uh, behind sometimes she's going to come to the fray again and so it's looking good from that sense richard richard we now we have we kind of have a wicket keeper batsman and all rounder so the depth which we were always looking for you know all that is there it, i i can see everything there it's still not in place i think world cup could be a catalyst for it to come in place having said that it all depends on the uh, how successfully our our spinners can be in new zealand conditions if they are able to adapt to the new zealand condition and figure out which is the right line and length in these kind of wickets and conditions i think that will be the difference because otherwise we kind of dominate because of our spinners right mostly 
Yeah. And now, now yeah. kind, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what are the kind of pitches we are playing on in the World Cup. If it's going to be batting beauties, then the difference will be the fielding and the running between wickets. If it's going to be a batting beauty. But if they're going to be pitches which are going to assist either a spinner, something is there, I think we will we will think. But if it's just a pure batting beauty, fielding and running between will make the difference. No, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense to your point. I, I, you know, it feels, at least in the series, and, and as you said, it's been batting beauties in this series in New Zealand. So it, it felt like anytime we needed a wicket, we had to go back to Julian Goswami and um, other bowlers were, at to your point, even if they were not giving away a lot of runs, they were not necessarily bowling um, very threatening lines and lengths. Uh, so yeah, one of the things I'm curious about is you know players and their relationships with journalists. I feel like that has changed a lot over the years. Um, and recently there was an interaction on Twitter as well where one of the English journalists made a comment about Mithali Raj and a um, number of different Indian cricketers or even domestic cricketers you know, really attacked her and it became kind of ugly. Um, I, and, you know, I, I understand that, you know, uh, eventually some of those tweets were deleted. And I understand when people, you know, uh, really attach to a player. But, you know, I think, is there, do you think, is there a need for players to be a little more open-minded in terms of, you know, criticism? And what about like handling critics? I know there's obviously critics who just want to pull you down, but there are well-meaning critics as yeah. well. So just trying to find the balance in responding yeah. to these people. See, truth be told, every person has a right to his or her opinion. However, uh, I think it could have been worded much better if if, if uh, uh, what uh, Izzy said was uh, you didn't agree to it, you had every right to disagree. Okay, For, so from that right. aspect, I'm okay. I'm okay with disagreement, you know. And I'm okay also for the fact that uh, you have constructive criticism. We require constructive criticism. We don't want everybody kind of posing up to us all the time. And then, you know, that will not bring the best out of a player. So, Izzy was right in her place. One, it could have been better in terms of how she worded what she said. And like you said, it got to a point where it got kind of ugly and it went out of hand. I agree to that. But in the terms of uh, Wani having an opinion, it's her right to have an opinion. However, it should have been a little more, uh, what do you say, civil in discourse. That would have helped matters. But I, I would, I would uh, want uh, the journalist to be critical about us because that is how we grow, right? And she had a right. point. That's a debate right. for another day. Whether uh, what is what is my take on what she said? I think there's a bit of both there. I mean, she was uh, thing, but she also probably, I think they mistook the word worst you know the, the that one word that she put uh, but in the context what she meant was in the context like mithali is good thing that is happening because there's nobody more consistent than her right now right but somewhere what she was coming right. to was probably it was uh, uh, 20 runs here and there could come more if probably you know she could play as a higher strike rate but i think that's a debate for another day but only in, in the context of uh, uh, journalist and player relationship, I feel the journalist uh, is uh, within his or her rights to be <clears throat> to be critical, uh, constructively. And from terms of players, we, we should be handling it better than uh, what was eventually right. dished out. Is there any like training that you know 
uh, Ranji Trophy, I mean, state players as well as international players go through in terms of... I think we've had some kind of media, uh, what do you say, exposure. They kind of tell us, I, but that happens only at the highest level, not at the domestic sure. level. But uh, we do get um, tutored as to, you know, how to handle because... At one point, you know, if you don't know how to handle media, we need the media. By all means, we need the media. Okay. It's only thing right. is how to handle that things uh, when things happen. If you're, if you're taught how to be uh, diplomatic enough, you know, without hurting any side, but get your point across, I think that will help. But that kind of training needs, I guess. But like you said, the game is growing. So there are more media traction, right? Yeah, yeah, which is good. See, Absolutely. for women's cricket right now, positive, negative, everything is good because their eyeballs falling. All publicity is good publicity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But eventually, that shouldn't be the case, right? But uh, it got it got everybody stirred up uh, because of only the kind of language that was used. I think it could have it could have been worded in a much better way because everybody has a right to their opinion. We cannot deny that, right? Right, and you have been a player and a journalist. So you can see both sides yeah, of this. Yeah, yeah. We uh, need both. Know, I'm telling you, it's only when I went into journalism, I realized uh, so much. I realized that women's cricket is a product. You know, how long will they do philanthropy and kind of keep putting your stories up on the page when there are other sports competing for the same space? Right. I was the one who used to put up that right. page. And there were so many stories I had to choose. Eventually, you're going to choose something that the reader is going to read, right? And for how long you will just yep. say media coverage, you give media help. No, we, so it's a vicious circle. Administration, media, players all have an equal part. Yeah, from time to time to get a push initially, maybe the media can help, but the product has to sustain itself. Otherwise, it's very difficult. Right. Yeah, so that's what basically, uh, you know, uh, I've, I, I, I can see both sides. We, you know. And that's how, that's my take. But it eventually got a little ugly, which should not have, because uh, you know all are stakeholders. You don't right. have to really play cricket to comment on it. You know, you somebody may have played hundred tests, yeah. and somebody may have been a club cricket or not a cricket. The game belongs to everybody. You know that that part I'm very clear on that the game belongs to everybody. Nobody can own the own a sport. So you you know that retort that how much right. you have played cuts no ice. It's it's all about yeah somebody's opinion, which should be. Sometimes I said sometimes there are cases when the journalists themselves are take it to a personal level where they kind of take the criticism overboard. Yeah, that's when things kind of tend to get. Mm -hmm. But the constructive criticism is most welcome, and I thought in this case, uh, probably she was misunderstood, but she has a valid reason in what she said, what in saying what she had to say. Right. No, well said. Um, I think, like you mentioned, this game is for everyone. And uh, it, it is interesting, though, if this if this incident had happened, let's say, 15 years ago, nobody would have known. Yeah. Nobody yeah. would have blinked an eye. It would have been lost in the vacuum. And instead, we would have been <laughs> obsessing over someone's criticism of Sachin Tendulkar. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's good in a way that there are strong passions associated with women's cricket as well. Because it is an important fabric of yeah. cricket, just cricket altogether. So I'm glad, even if it's this kind of testy uh, conversation, that people are passionate enough to engage in it. Uh, but hopefully they do it in yeah, a better yeah. way going forward. But ma'am, thank you <laughs> yeah. so much uh, for, for your time. Uh, we really enjoyed this conversation and just 
you know, hearing your story of your, you know, early days as a player and of course your thoughts on everything. Uh, but we do appreciate your time and uh, uh, we really hope you do come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thanks much. Same here. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you. <laughs>